Hello and welcome to Between the Lines, taking you behind the local news, food, theaters, and more in Rhode Island. Between the Lines is an intimate, oral deep dive into the stories and developments found within Motif magazine. This week we talk with Kristen Danceru, an intern here at Motif who recently wrote an article in our cannabis issue regarding the subject of expungement. Between the Lines is sponsored by R1 Indoor Karting, the Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, and Graysale Brewing of Rhode Island. Hello everyone and welcome to Motifs Between the Lines, sponsored by R1 Indoor Karting, Trinity Beer Garden, and Graysale Brewing. We're pleased today to be doing a follow-up to our cannabis issue, which just hit the the streets um, in honor of 420, but it covers the entire month of April. And we're talking today with Kristen Danceru, who is going to uh, talk to us a little bit about an article she wrote for expungement. And Kristen, tell me first a little bit about how you, uh, what's your role at Motif? I am actually the editorial intern. I have been working there since the beginning of February, and I've actually gotten to dip my hands into a bunch of different aspects. I've gotten to write, I've gotten to kind of media management with the the newsletter, and I have also gotten to to edit some some different stories, which I love doing. And in full disclosure, I guess I'm your boss, (laughs) but we're gonna talk about, in particular, this, the final, project that you worked on, which turned out to be, I think, maybe a much larger issue than you expected when you took the assignment. But tell me about that. Yeah, I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself into, honestly. I uh, was incredibly unfamiliar with expungement to the point where I had to look it up and really understand what it was. And then... So also, tell us, what is it? So expungement is the auto, or the clearance of past criminal records. So if you have something that is on your record and it is no longer legal, it can be expunged. Mm-hmm. Um, so. so juveniles have this done to their records fairly regularly, I think. Yes. How does that play into into the cannabis legalization discussion? What I learned at the beginning was that there is a new version of the Rhode Island Cannabis Act that came out and it's mm-hmm. still under revision, but they're, they're pushing for it. And under that, it says that there, up to one ounce of cannabis is legal for possession. In relation to expungement, that means that there are people who have been convicted prior to this becoming legal mm-hmm. that will have that on their records as they did something illegal when it is not going to be the case for anyone going forward. Rhode Island has been trying to legalize cannabis for at least a decade, or certain parties in Rhode Island have. And the law wasn't popular at first, and it's gained popularity. So it the public basically supports legalizing marijuana, something like 70%. But it's not legal yet in Rhode Island, right? Mm-hmm. And is the how does this factor into that? I'm not sure if, if that's a huge part of what's preventing them. I think that's a huge part of why advocacy groups are trying to get it to be re- revised before it actually gets submitted. And why would it be important to have it as part of the bill when it, when it first happens as opposed to, couldn't you just add this on later? You could, but that would make it a lot more difficult. And a lot of the people I talked to were just saying, like, get it right the first time. We have so many examples through other states of how it has gone wrong and also how it's gone right. So there are states like New Jersey had automatic expungement. And I think they had over 300,000 records cleared for the convictions. Mm -hmm. And Rhode Island has the power to be able to do that right from the get-go and right out of the gates. And I think that it would be harder to try and change it after it's already submitted. So 
walk me through your your process in writing this article because you you didn't know much about expungement at first. No, I like I said, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I really started by looking into some of the political figures behind the bill, also a lot of the advocacy and support groups that are fighting for the expungement and. A lot of the people that I ended up talking to were advocacy groups, or I talked to a public defender, Mm -hmm. and ironically, they all kind of led me in the direction of each other, so I I was talking to one person, and they would lead me to the other person, so... So it's a small small circle? It's a small circle, but it also told me I hit exactly where I needed to be because I was getting all the angles Mm -hmm. that I was being told needed to be covered. What did you learn as you were going along? What was... Compared to your initial expectations about expungement, what did you what did you find out? There's a lot to unpack there. I I did a lot of research, a lot of understanding the social justice issues behind this, and understanding why it's so, why they find it so hard to be able to put this in the bill in the first place, and why they're so hesitant to. Why? That's a really great question because actually some of the people I talked to were wondering the same thing because they would hear from one person that, yeah, it's possible. It's just like if the General Assembly tells us that we can do it, then we'll do it. Mm-hmm. But then we're, they're getting the other story and it's saying like, no, we can't do it. Or it's saying, yes, we can, but it's dependent on the other person. And so it just seems like they feel like it's getting bounced back and forth, but nobody's actually telling them what the real reason behind saying no is now. It keeps, they feel that there keeps being excuses that come up rather than just working to get it done now. Tell me about some of the people that you spoke with. I spoke with Jared Moffitt first. He is part of the Marijuana Policy Project, and he also works with some other advocacy groups in the area. He has been working with a lot of the politicians and a lot of the groups on this. For forever. Yeah. If you, no. if you look, uh, if you go on Motif's website and search mm-hmm. his name, we've probably talked to him for every cannabis issue we've ever done at some, in some <laughs> article or another. Yeah. He's sort of the, the local guru on that. Yeah, I heard he's been doing this since he was in college, I believe. I talked mm-hmm. to Sherry Cruz as well, who works with him now, but also worked with him while he was in college on kind of advocacy issues. Yeah. And I think on similar issues to this. Yeah, it might have been his college thesis, although don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> Did he tell you anything that surprised you? He was the one that really told me that he's getting excuses from both sides or not really getting an answer for why it can't be done now. Mm-hmm. He was very knowledgeable on the the background issues rather than like obviously like the ethical issues and like the social justice issues, but he also has been had his foot in the door for like the governmental side of this and the political side of this and trying to really dig in and find out and like hold them accountable for what they say they're gonna do or say that they can do. So he had a lot to talk about and I just remember kind of leaving the conversation and being like, wow, this is a much bigger issue than I even realized from my research. Like this is something that many people have to deal with and it's it, it should be done and it doesn't seem like it's getting done and it's kind of frustrating and people are getting frustrated, not frustrated, but they're getting, they're pushing for it more and more and they're gonna keep doing that and they're gonna keep going until this is done. You also talked to uh, someone on the other side of the equation, right? Someone who manages databases for the Department of Corrections or something like that? I spoke to Michael DeLauro. He is in the Office of Public Defenders. He called me uh, like late on a Friday night and it was like during my spring break and I was out to dinner with my mom and he got talking and he was just talking about 
also a lot of the background side of it and saying that it needs to be done, but he also kind of talked about how he understands why it isn't being done right now in the sense of some of the hurdles that it can have. Mm -hmm. And he feels that it should be figured out, but he acknowledged the fact that there's not a one size fits all. And he brought into the side of the story that some people have criminal records and it's not just the cannabis that is the issue. So they're trying to figure out automatic expungement, but how do you do that when there's more than one conviction on someone's record? So, for example, someone got nabbed for pot, but also had a weapon. They don't want to forget about the weapon. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so that's kind of where he feels a lot of like the the pushback might come from. And even with that, though, he's like just bring in people who are technical who can figure out a system to do that. Who can like he's just like get someone that can do it because you can. I get that you can't do it, but you can find someone who can and this should be done and it should be figured out on how to automatically expunge records even if you have that issue. Right. How did he respond to that? That's what he was talking to me about. Oh, he about. was saying that? Yeah, okay. he was saying that. So he's, he's... He's all for... He was like, I like I want to defend and I want to... Not directly that, but he wants to be able to see that happen. Uh-huh. And he's willing to do whatever he can on his part to do that. He sees that there's a lot more that needs to be done in order to get there. Okay. And that the just the right people need to be brought in on this issue in order to get it done. So this is an uninformed opinion, but it sounds to me like he needs a database manager. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what it sounds like. All right. So listeners, anyone in the IT field? Public Defender's Office? Would that be a place to call? or I would say go for it. Yeah. All right. So one of the people you contacted was Senator Miller, who's a long, long-time advocate of this. He's the sponsor of this bill, right? Yes. Um, he what is. was and did you talk to Representative Slater? As well? I reached out to Representative Slater. I did Could, not get an email, uh, any response from him. In time for press. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So what was the reaction from Senator Miller like? Uh, it was a pretty stand, straightforward political response that I would expect from someone who has a stake in this. So how'd you track down a lot of these leads to start out with? I actually reached out to Mike Billow, who works at Motif, and he became a great contact. He got, helped me get in contact with a lot of people, including Jared Moffitt and Michael Deloro, and those led me some in some great directions, also Harrison Tuttle, and I, I was able to get a lot out of each of those conversations, and they all also brought into play a different aspect and a different issue or a different topic of the issue that I'm covering and it was it was very helpful. Tell me a little bit about the attorney the current state of expungement in the attorney general's office and what what you learned about that. So what I learned was that there are three shifts in the attorney general's office and there's a department solely dedicated to expungement and already already yes. And so I think some and they're people, working around the clock? That's what the yes, three that's, shifts that's are about? Yes, that's the yeah. three shifts, so morning, afternoon, and night. And What are they doing? That They simply expunge the records of people, and that's that department is dedicated to that. So adding, how many how many people are we talking about in terms of medical, I mean non-medical, in, in terms of marijuana uh, crimes? Like how many how many cases would they be expunging? Did you have a sense? I'm not sure. I'm sure it's hundreds of thousands. I know that. I think in relation to expungement, what could happen would be people with no other convictions. Like I was saying, Michael Deloro brought up the issue of 
people with multiple convictions. Like, how do you expunge those records? How do you make that automatic? And that is a valid issue that they're gonna have, that has to be figured out. Mm -hmm. And one thing though about that is that there could be state-initiated automatic expungement for people without multiple convictions. And the people with multiple convictions could be more on a case-to-case -case basis that they're suggesting for everyone now. And that's at least one way to maybe start the situation. And that would, that would mean that we'd have to look into the Attorney General's office in that department and work with them to get the automatic expungement of the cannabis records completed. There were, there were things you, you learned that didn't make it into print? Yeah, unfortunately for the amount of words and limiting. Being a journalist, you have to make those hard cuts and that's one of my least favorite parts about being a journalist is I want to be able to tell the whole entire story and with this story in particular, it's more than I've ever taken on. And the hardest part was including everything I wanted to, all the points and having to take some out. A lot of the, the points that I had to take out were like ethical and social justice commentary that I was talking to with the different advocates. And that's because this was more meant to be about the bill and about what automatic expungement is and explaining that it needs to be done and it needs to be done now. And it was less about how, how much it's affected these people's lives. And a lot of people went in to their own personal experience or they went into how it affects their communities or seeing how unproportional the war on drugs has been to certain people. I know Harrison Tuttle talked a lot about that. He was just like, it's hurt them enough. It's, it's enough and it needs to be fixed now. So you're not gonna pass this saying that it's not automatically expunged. You're, the only way you should pass this is if it's equal to everyone and if it's equitable to everyone. And I think that those are some of the things that punched me almost in the heart the most and that I wanted to be able to express was there's such a justice issue here behind even just getting clearing your records. It's skewed in a way that it shouldn't be and it should be remedied almost. Did you change your mind about anything while you were doing this article? I mean, I'm assuming you went in pro-expungement because you picked the topic. I actually didn't quite didn't pick, pick well I did, but I did it was originally I was supposed to work with two other interns on it. Uh -oh. It was supposed to be three of us working. Okay. And somehow I ended up being the only one that <laughs> worked on the entire thing, which nice. I enjoyed. I worked with another intern to kind of come up with the people that we reached out to. Both of us reached out to a few different people. I happened to be the one to kinda of get the contacts and get the conversations done. At one point I spent an hour and a half on the phone with Sherry Cruz just talking about things related to the issue, about her personal experience and how it relates to her life and everything like that. Um, so she sounds like that was an interesting interview. Yeah, it was, I, I actually really, I enjoyed my time throughout all this. Every time I stepped away from an interview, I stepped away knowing that I learned more and I understood the topic more because I went in I went in very naive to the situation mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm coming out and I have more of a solid footing on what this is and what needs to be done and what people are trying to get done and I see the passion behind this issue and I see where it needs to be adjusted and where things can have the room absolutely to be improved. Given the results of your research and what you've learned if you were in charge, if you were the Speaker of the House or the Governor, or both, because 
they need to they need to get along to get anything to happen. What would you do? How would you approach this? What do you think the right answer is? I think the right answer is to at least try everything that they can to to make this happen, to make the state initiated automatic expungement happen because like I was talking with uh, Michael DeLauro, he was saying like you can find someone that can create a system to go through and work out the kinks of the that are stopping this, which would be people with multiple convictions um, or just the manpower that it would take. There can be systems in place. I think that also I would look and almost ask for advice from the other states that have had similar issues and or have gotten past those issues and allowed for the automatic expungement because I think I would try and look at it, reframe it, and put it into place for Rhode Island. When are you running for office? <laughs> um, one of the sticking points is, I, so the, the current proposal is in favor of judicially reviewed expungement, right? Yes. And could you just, for the audience, elaborate a little on the difference between that and automatic expungement? So that means that individuals will have to go out and seek like a court date almost to go and request just request um, the expungement of the records and from there the chief justice gets to decide whether or not he will expunge the records an issue with that or if, or if one of his other justices yeah but there has to be a hearing then right so yes, each person there, has to be each person has to go to a hearing and there's a lot of issues with that and that's something I talked a lot with Sherry Cruz about was one the fact that it's only open a certain amount of time during the week and there's only certain slots that people can get in. So these thousands of people that want to get their records expunged, they have to really try hard to get their foot in the door to even have that be an option, let alone have it actually happen. And Anyone who's ever had a court date knows yeah. it's not quick. <laughs> yes, exactly. It moves slowly and that's one of the issues. Another issue... So and some people could end up staying in jail for for years, right? Yeah. While waiting to get their autom non-automatic exposure. Yes. And another another thing that kind of came uncovered with that with Jared Moffitt was the fact that people might not know that they have that ability to go and even request it in general. So these people are just going on with their lives think not realizing that they have the ability to go and request for their records to be expunged. They, right. It's not very widely put out there. And I think that was another thing for me, at least behind this issue and behind writing the story is like, I wanted to somehow become that voice to try and let people know that it's, it's coming and like, you should try for this and like, look at, look at what they have in place, try and do something now. If not, it, if it doesn't even become state initiated. Is there a social equity aspect to that too? Very yeah. much so. People who are more comfortable with the legal system. Yeah. Tend to be the people with more income. Of course. Right? So yeah. Yeah. So there's the, a lot of lower income areas. I think they they were worried about that being an issue is them not knowing that they can even ask for for that to be the case or have the funds to to go and get that done. And so automatic on the other hand. Automatic means automatic. It's just it's done for them. You know, it's it's and that, the issue with that also, or the social justice with that, is the fact that these people, people's lives have been so disproportionately affected, especially by the war on drugs, that they are now being asked to then take on more and take on more almost 
pain going through this process and having to request it and the possibility of even being denied when they should it should be a right um, because now it's legal so where is the justice in that or it's becoming it's being yeah. pushed to become legal so, should the bill pass then, yeah then it's legal yeah, exactly but yeah was there anything that surprised you all of it I, I can't say it enough, the fact that I went into this and I really, I was surprised by everything I stepped out of. Like I was saying, I think the most surprising part of this is that it could be solved with more communication. So it's really like a natural human thing should be done in order to get a problem to be solved. And I feel like that's a lot of these people's job is to communicate for the people and who they represent, as well as between amongst themselves to kind of figure out these issues and solve issues together. And it seems like they're not doing that, and that's frustrating, especially for the people that it's affecting most. So what can people do, what can our listeners do if they're not database engineers from the IT sphere? What, what else can somebody do to, to help with this? If they have the time and the ability, I think ad, going along with the advocates and going to the hearings and and pushing for it to be automatically expunged, or state-initiated automatic expungement, I think that would force them to open up their ears a little bit more and push that to become part of the bill, like you said, before it comes out. Make it right from the start rather than putting it off for later to be solved because then it's just going to go under the rug. And below this podcast, we'll have some links that people can use to contact some of these advocacy groups. Okay. Um, and, uh, and anyone else you suggest, uh, letters to uh, to Senator Miller, it sounds like, would mm-hmm. be effective, or to uh, Representative Slater, but also to their own representatives. Yeah. Then let me just ask you if you had it to do over again, would you take this assignment? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would take it in a heartbeat. I actually... When I started working on this assignment and after my first interview, I was talking about it to anyone with an ear that would listen. I went to my entire family anytime I had a conversation with them. It just so happened to be I went home for spring break, right when I kind of started this process. And I was talking to my parents about it all the time. Like, did you know this happened? Did you know like this is going on? Like, did you know this is a thing? And I I wouldn't stop talking about it. I would, I would love to go over the story a million times because I think that there's so much still to be unpacked and there's also like I was talking about before there's so much I wasn't able to include in this and it's a whole different story but it's all related and you can kind of see how all the pieces connect together and I think that there's many different aspects of the story that have not even been touched yet. Any examples? Um, I would say definitely the, the social justice equity part of it. I think that was, that's a huge, huge part of this story and the way it affects people differently than others. There's more of a political side to be, to be heard from this. I think that there's maybe some more j- solutions journalism parts that could be done with this and seeing what can, what can you uncover that can be exploited, that can help some in some way. I think that just, those are just areas to start with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure if I spent even another day or two looking into this issue, I'd have about a thousand more questions to ask and a thousand more people to talk to. But it's so you've landed very much on pro expungement, even though you came in with no not idea. really preconceptions. I think That's pretty early on, I decided that I was pro expungement because to me, pro automatic, pro automatic expungement, yes. Yeah. Um, the state-initiated automatic expungement because to me it almost it's like a no-brainer why would you not do something that's gonna help so many people and 
if you just ask the right people and, and work with others, it's something that could be done. And I'm not gonna say easily because I know that there's a process to it, but it can be done, period. And I see no reason why there should be hesitation based on everything I kind of learned throughout examining the policies and talking to a bunch of different people. I guess we'll keep our fingers crossed and we'll keep tracking the story. And hopefully we'll be able to have some of your journalism weigh in on it at some point as well. Of course. Thank you very much to Kristen Dancero. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm Mike Ryan. This has been Motifs Between the Lines, sponsored by R1 Indoor Karting, Trinity Beer Garden, and Graysale Brewing. Well, thank you very much for your time, and we'll keep our fingers crossed and keep, keep our tabs on the story. Yes, definitely keep following the story. This has been Between the Lines. For more stories like these, we hope you check out the latest issue of Motif Magazine. And stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks for listening.